What is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to another episode of the Built on Bitcoin podcast, where we're showcasing all of the apps and founders building on stacks secured by Bitcoin. I'm your host, Jake. You'll see me around as Jake Blockchain. And today I have a conversation with Elon Klein. He is the founder of Open Art Source, and Open Art Source is trying to democratize the opaque and crazy art market. Uh, I learned a ton about this market and uh, some of the problems that high-end artists face, as well as some of the things that they're working on to make art in general more open with their marketplace, with royalties, with authentication, all using just a phone app and uh, QR codes. It's pretty incredible how simplistic the user experience is supposed to be, but how powerful it could be if they get this right. So yeah, love this conversation and check it out. This is my convo with Alon Klein, founder of Open Art Source. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. What about art fascinates you? So I think uh, art is what makes life worth it to me. And I think to many, many other people. I have spoken to, I don't know, hundreds of people, probably more. I don't know exactly. I've been dealing with this project for almost two years now. I never met a person who told me I hate art. You know, you're talking to investors. They're maybe not going to invest in your business. Maybe they don't understand that, but everybody loves it. And everybody has strong feeling for it. Even if they don't understand those feelings, the feelings are there. So I think art connects us uh, in, in different ways that are mysterious to most people. And uh, without it, just life will be less worth it. And I actually think that having more art more quality art and making connections between artists, collectors, and, and just bringing art forward is something that is important to have and is not happening enough. So we wanted to make it make a difference. Yeah, I've I've heard it I've heard it described that art is the thing that speaks to the unconscious. Like when you create it, it's your unconscious speaking. And when you're internalizing it, you can't quite put into words what you're experiencing, but it's felt deeply. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think as it happens to me many times that I look at something and it does something to me, whether it's good or bad or just evokes a memory, it does something and the feeling comes out, you know, you feel something. It's hard to explain many times. It's just there. There's like this mystery of... Uh, things happening within your mind that are influencing what you see, what you hear, etc. So, and art has been with us since the Stone Age, I think, you know, cave drawings and all that. Okay. Um, so before we get into what you're creating, I think we really got to give a good definition for the people of what is provenance. So <clears throat> provenance is a fancy word of saying, how do I know that this is real? Art has been us for thousands of years and some art pieces are old, have been in different hands. When somebody purchases something like that, they want to know that this is the original. And the provenance is this logical tree that tells you, yes, it came from this person to this person and we track this sale. 
And now we know that Leonardo made that, or Warhol made that, or my nephew made it. You know, all of those things are, uh, are equally important, I think, to, to all people. The provenance is the ability to know if something is real or not. I can see a clear benefit to having blockchain for this kind of thing. You know, it's verifiable. It's cryptographically uh, secured. But what has been the history of provenance? How, how have they confirmed? What has been the truth-telling mechanism for that? Okay, so <clears throat> there are ways to tell if something is true or not. And there are people that's their business. And they have companies, provenance companies. So if you, let's say, you want to buy a Leonardo, you want to buy a Picasso, you want to buy something, you want to know that it's true, you just don't know, you're not sure. There's no documentation to this piece, not enough documentation. You can sell companies who have laboratories and they will x-ray your painting, they will take paint samples, they sometimes even use carbon dating and to make sure that this is something that came from the 14th century. Well, that's something that's just the same type of, uh, of uh, paint that was only available since that date. So it couldn't, it couldn't be before that, etc. So today, to <clears throat> we made some, did some research. So to do serious provenance on a piece, it's about $19,000 to do it. If you buy a piece that costs a million dollars, $19,000 is nothing. Of course, you're going to spend it. And you should. That's the right thing to do to secure your investment that most art in the world is not priced that high. And if you love something and it costs $5,000, which is a lot of money, you know, I think for a piece of art, uh, you're not gonna spend 19,000 to verify. It just doesn't make sense. So all those services, which are good and accurate and, and with nothing bad to say about them, they are really geared toward what I call the one percenters of the art world, the most expensive artists, the richest collectors. And those people, there's a gazillion companies who are willing and able to provide services for them at the right price. But most artists are barred from those services, just too expensive. So we have provided a way for people, for artists to get provenance for their art without having to spend that amount of money that I spoke, spoke about before. Okay, and uh, that's a good segue. What are you guys doing to, to bring that cost of uh, provenance down for the, the lower tier, but equally adept artist? Yeah, so, you know, the, the pricing of an art piece is really complex. I mean, there are many, many factors to it. That not, and, and, and quality is only one of them. There are many other things that comes to branding and, and, and others. So what we did is we developed a technology. It's an AI technology, artificial intelligence. What it does, it actually can tell you as a collector if what you bought is the same thing that the artist created. And, and it works like that. Let's assume that you got an, and you know, it's a podcast, people maybe don't see the video here, but the two pictures behind you, and let's assume that right for a second that you are the artist who made those pictures and you wanna, wanna make an NFT for them. So you take your smartphone, your Android or your iPhone, you take a picture of a piece and then picture that you, a painting you made and you create an NFT on that system. You get an NFT and then you have the physical item and you have the digital NFT in the wallet. 
then you want to sell it on open answer. So now market, you upload it, you put a price. A month later, I'm a collector. I see it. I love this painting. I'm going to buy it. I pay for it. And you send me the, the money goes into escrow. You send me the art piece. You send me the, the picture behind you. I open up the package, point my phone into it, take a picture and upload it to open answers. Our AI looks at both images. It looks at the picture that the artist took, looks at the picture that the collector took, it makes a comparison and tells you if it's the same piece or not. If it is the same piece, the money automatically goes out of escrow. You, the artist, get paid. And me as the collector, I'm getting the, the <clears throat> NFT from your wallet. Meaning the NFT moves from your wallet to my wallet. And then I have the actual piece, the physical piece, and the NFT that corresponds to it. It's like a two-factor authentication thing. I have both pieces. So both pieces are true. They were verified in the beginning. And then if I sell it again, five years from now, same thing happens, okay? The pictures that will be taken along the way will be compared. The AI will know if this is the same piece or not. The NFT will move. This way, the, the blockchain will have the transaction history. People can look at really, really easy type of analytics data to see what happened to the price of the piece, what happened, who, you know, how many times it was bought, what happened to the artist pricing in general. Is the pricing of his or her art uh, increases or decreases and how it is uh, looking in the market compared to other artists in, you know, in the same genre, etc. So what we are creating, apart from having those NFT move around and create uh, data, is that we're actually doing the data layer for the art market. We're providing collectors, dealers, and gallery owners, all the people who are active in the art market, way to look at art in a quantifiable way and make data-driven investment decision. We're making art an investment vehicle for retail investors. Hmm. I wanna I wanna rehash what you just said because when when I saw your demo day video, for some reason I I didn't fully get it. And it could have been because you followed Moonray, which was a hard follow. But, but uh, yeah, they, is very strong. <laughs> they, they blew it out of the water. And so to go from a, a super interactive video game to uh, an art kind of like marketplace and AI engine uh, didn't quite catch me at the time. But when I rewatched it to prepare for this interview, the the simplicity of what you guys are building, but also how powerful it is, I think it's incredible for being able to unlock the it's, it, there's always this talk about the creator economy and how these platforms, especially like online, uh, are just taking our value. And, and you're bringing that to the, to the physical world. And yeah, so the idea that you can just paint something and then snap a picture and list it. And then when it sells, they receive it, confirm it with AI, and then it transfers the NFT and the digital ownership is it's, it's, there's not that many steps to it, although there's a ton of, back and work going on but it's but it's crazy that something like this hasn't existed already like it's it's so simple but it's incredibly profound thank you for saying that <laughs> and i know that rodrigo is a hard act to follow i i acknowledge that <laughs> i think 
So this technology that we developed is unique. And uh, actually the <clears throat> Stacks Foundation and the Chainlink gave us $100,000 to continue developing it and, and create an AI oracle that will allow companies and that have AI in the business model to actually connect an AI model, which is completely dynamic to a smart contract, which is completely static. So if, if you have a business or you're just a hobbyist who have AI as part of what they do, you will be able to use this open source software to actually connect the AI to the blockchain and create powerful stuff, not only in art, but in many, many other areas of, of our world. Uh, so I think having the AI, and it's not one AI, it's a pipeline of AIs that do a bunch of stuff when they look at an image and then compares it to another one. It's a complex mechanism. Uh, while doing, doing that, it provides a layer that doesn't exist right now in crypto world. Like right now, there's a bunch of companies who are doing similar stuff by, by attaching QR codes to a piece of art. So you scan the QR code and then you can see the blockchain data, which is extremely sexy. I love to see it. Every time I see it, and it's great to watch it. I think it's great for investors to look at it because it looks like just very cool. But all those pieces of, you know, whatever material it is, uh, in 20, 30, 40 years, they're not going to work just because they will get worn out by whatever and, and they will start to basically create errors in the blockchain, which are immutable because you, know, you cannot correct those errors after that. Also, all the companies that are selling those solutions don't really make those QR codes. They've been manufactured in China up till now, but because of COVID, there was so much disruption in the supply chain, but now they're making them in India. And there's a company in Germany that makes them, and they're all very good manufacturers. They make millions of those every year, but every industrial manufacturing process, you're gonna have errors. And the minute some of those errors get released and start generating erroneous data on the blockchain, whatever company uses that, they're done. Okay, nobody's gonna use the technology anymore. Nobody's gonna do anything with it. So we didn't want to, leave the fate of our company in the hand of a third-party manufacturer who want to control the verification process. And by using AI, this very unique process that we develop, we actually can do that and we can continue to improve and train the AI and make it more and more accurate all the time, providing additional decisions and actually giving this AI for free, meaning people use it. You don't have to sell an open outsource to use the AI. You can use it and you can get the verification or whatever you want to get. I think this is something that, again, the 99% of artists didn't have up till now. We're providing like a new thing that can help artists create this provenance, the beginning of the provenance, and then managing it afterwards. Uh, and that's something that will have an effect on the overall market, and the ability to market the, the, the wares and the ability of collectors to actually collect and, and make art is an investment liquid. I don't really understand or know the art world that well, but it seems like an entrenched world, <laughs> uh, to say the least. 
when when you're talking about AI provenance, have you is there pushback from the established players of its legitimacy, how much it could be trusted, that kind of thing? So I would say that I'm expecting that. I didn't get it yet. Okay. I mean, actually, I spoke to companies which are AI companies, and they were quite impressed with what we do. Now, I think, you know, the art world, as far as I research, I'm not the only one in open access the research, there's a bunch of us who looked at data. The art world is the last global opaque market out there. It's the last one. Everything else in the world. I can probably tell you how much the T-shirt you're wearing costs. I can tell you how much is a gallon of milk in Lagos. How much is a gallon of petrol in China? I mean, I can tell you everything is out there. You look for it and you find it. Everything is transparent. Art, no. 76% of the transactions a year are private. So no data whatsoever. The last 24% are, are public auctions. We think public auction, public pricing, of course. But no, yes, the auction is public. And if you go to the auction, you're going to know the price, but then they don't publish it. They take the whole pricing data, put it in a database, and you got to pay a subscription to access pricing. Most people don't do it. It's expensive and it's really geared towards gallery owners, dealers, etc., or very serious collectors. The other market is $65 billion a year, and it's artificially small because there's a small group of people, and I think in the whole world, I don't think it's more than 10,000 people. They keep the market closed so they can make all that money. And it works. It's really easy. No data. You can't find anything yourself. Not very people have a master's degree in art history. They, they don't know what a Rembrandt should look like, or what you do, etc. So the way it works is this. You want to buy it. Let's say you have a million dollars. You have it. You, you want to buy a Picasso. You love Picasso. You think it's a good investment. You go to a gallery in New York, which is the epicenter of art commerce in the world. It's New York City. You come to New York, you go to the gallery, you know, here's a million dollars. I want to buy this thing. And they tell you, oh, it's great. So who are you? Who is your father? What do you do? How much money do you have in the bank? Do you have a collection? What's in your collection? What did you buy this year? Did you ever sell anything? And if you answer those questions truthfully, there's about 99% that they're not going to sell to you. And they're going to tell you, we can sell to you, and that's it. So it's not that they need you. I mean, they want a million dollars, but they're really afraid because they don't know you, uh, that maybe you lose all your money and you have to sell the Picasso for 750 not for a million or more, and this will hurt the market in the future. So they don't want to sell to you. They want to sell to the extremely rich. They want to sell to the MoMA. They want to sell to the Louvre. They want to sell to Beyonce that her buying a Picasso will make the whole Picasso market go crazy. But for regular people, you can't. You have to get an art consultant and pay for it. And this person is going to make the connections with the gallery and vouch for you. For Obviously, you pay this person. And then those people might or might not sell to you. Probably they will sell to you. But without being an insider, and very few people can be insiders, you're not going to be able to buy. So the market is really geared only, only open for the super rich, super famous. And so it's $65 billion a year, that's it. But if you open it up and every Joe Schmo like the two of us can just go 
and buy something because they like it or because they think it's a good investment. And they don't have to have all those gatekeepers along the way to stop them from doing that. You get a much bigger market who is much more liquid. You have much, many more transactions, even if, you know, okay, so he sold it for us. Okay, it happens. You know, I don't think it's such a bad thing. I think it's better that more people participate and we actually get to know the true value of things. And I believe in democracy. You know, we are democratizing the art market, letting people participate. So I think a lot of the big players are going to hate us. All right. I'm fine. I am not that worried about that. I think that the collectors will force them to use us. And I'll tell you why. Because even if, you know, you were so lucky that they sold you the Picasso, you gave them a million dollars and they gave you a Picasso. And five years later, the Picasso doesn't cost one million, it's gonna cost six, you know, for whatever reason, it depreciated. Nobody's gonna buy it from you because they're not gonna believe you that it's not a fake. You will have to give it to the same gallery who you bought it from and they will sell it for you. And for that service, you need to give them 50% of the proceeds. So as an investor, it is a tough cookie to have. Because even if you're successful, if you, if you understand, if you have a good sense of what's going to appreciate, you know, what's a good investment, when you want to sell it, when you want to actually make it liquid, you have to give 50% of that away, just for the right to sell it. And I'm saying with the AI combination and blockchain, you don't need People will believe you because they have, you know, you have the token, you have the art, it's being verified. We see what happened to it. Okay, I can buy it. I do not have this participant in the middle who takes 50% commission, I'm sorry. And I think that galleries are important and by no means I wanna take them out of the market. I do not want to, I wanna work with them. I think uh, that seeing art, being in the art in the same room is an experience that is very strong for most people and we wanna preserve it and we wanna enhance it. We do not want to kill it in any way. But I think the art market is moving quickly towards, I would say, a blockchain world. And right now, galleries and dealers, those are not technology companies. They are not going to do what we do. They need an on-ramp to the blockchain. And we are this on-ramp. And right now, we're the only one. Maybe in the future, they will thought maybe. I'm sure there will be more. But we are the only one. So I think that they should want to work with us to actually get all those new collectors and all those new people who they love art because it seems that everybody loves art. They want to invest in art through NFTs. And here's an opportunity to do it, to get quality art while doing something that you understand in life because you're young and you're in blockchain and crypto anyway. The idea of the that opaqueness in the market it's something you saw in the car market at a smaller scale back in the day where there was an asymmetry of information between the dealer and the buyer, and they would constantly over leverage their position. And that's how everyone got this vibe that I'm just getting screwed. Like, I'm not good. I don't even know what I don't know. So everything you say, I don't trust. And it's that same thing here where like, there's a feeling that they're artificially trying to keep the market a certain way. Versus if you just give me all the data, I can make an informed decision. And then everyone comes to the market with more, because you trust it, you can come in and put more and more money into it. And it actually expands the economy in aggregate. I think it's a good example. I think another good example could be like E-Trade. Before E-Trade, when you, I mean, you were very young. But yeah. <laughs> before E-Trade, 
you needed to have a broker, a real broker. It was a man or a woman who you would make a phone call to. And you tell them, okay, I want to buy this. And then tell them, no, 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 I have this great opportunity. This, this stock, it's great. Buy that because they would get a commission to push the other stock. But then you persuaded them to buy whatever you want. They bought it for you. And you waited like two, three days and the transaction would go through. And then they would call and say, here you got, I don't know, a thousand stocks to IBM, whatever. You bought whatever. Uh, and then you paid them a large commission and, and said, thank you. And investing was really the, you know, it was really for rich people. It was not really for... Then E-Trade came, and this was even before smartphones, and it was a browser. And you went to the browser and you just traded. You just traded, you bought stock. You didn't need anybody to tell you whatever. And the number of trade exploded. We have data, it's exploded. There were just a huge wave of new investors, first time investors coming in and buying and selling and making money and losing money. And, and it all good, everybody liked it at the end. And all of the brokerage that, bro that have only flesh and blood people started to have apps and started to have websites because they wanted to cash in on. So I think after, after we do it, everybody will do it. I think so. There will be many, many. I think doing the AI is not so easy. It's not going to be that easy for them to do that. Uh, but in general, there will be others. So it's the same. But the growth of the market and the democratization of the market that everybody can play is something that the art market, it has been like that for hundreds of years. And it's very resistant to, I think a lot of companies try to do it, but I don't think they had what we have. And I think that collectors will insist of having an NFT associated with the other device so they can sell it after that on their own. And because collectors will demand it, then dealers and galleries and auction houses will have to have a technology like that. And they're more than welcome to work with us. We've talked about authentication. We've talked about provenance. We've talked about the marketplace layer. We talked about the data layer, but there's one that I haven't heard you talk about yet, which is the royalties, which I think is, is one of those things that really can bring a lot of people into it. And unlock the creator economy in a big way to be able to benefit from their art, not just on that one like front sale, but trickle in. Can you talk a little bit about how, how that's working or how you think about royalties for the artist? So thank you for asking that. So the art market right now is $65 billion a year. Most of the money is being made in secondary and tertiary sales, which means that artists get very little. I mean, an artist does something, he or she does something, creates a really good gallery owner, a really good dealer with a good eye, buys it for whatever, and then resells it sometime later for much more. And the artist is not name, you know, the dealer buys it for $10,000, three years later, they sell it for a million. The artist still sees nothing out of it. Actually, in every other type of creative profession, there are royalties. Like if you're an actor, you're going to get royalties, you're going to get residuals. If you are uh, an author, then you, every time you sell a book, you get something. If you're a musician, every time they, they stream your music, you get something. Uh, <laughs> art, nothing. <laughs> so we are giving artists 5% of every secondary, tertiary, lifetime royalties on their, on their work every time it sells on open houses. And, and it's automatic. The, we don't have to do anything. The system, would, the contract has been in such a way that if the same thing is sold again, 
the artist will get the royalty to the wallet and that's it. I mean, they don't have to do anything else. So if it sells, if they sell it for just you know, 40,000, then it sells for 10,000 and then it sells for 50 or for 500,000. And this is a really big thing for artists. And I can tell you, I spoke to hundreds and I spoke to people in different age groups, um, different price points and different uh, types of art. All of them, 100% of the artists wanted the royalty, 100%. And they all know that it's extremely unfair and they just have no choice. There's so much that they do. But the minute they have, and I know that, how do I know that? <laughs> because we, well, a really small campaign running where we ask artists if they want to join open art source and get royalties and all that. So we have more than 2,000 artists waiting to join, sending us email, asking us, when are you going to start? <laughs> I want to sell Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. I think, I think that artists are going to come in a wave and put their thing in and try to sell it. And they're going to bring the community with them. The people who follow them, the people who collect them, the people who love them. And as a, as a collector, I think you want to support the artist. You want to, you want to do it. You like what they do. You want to support them. The royalty is actually coming from open outsource, not from the seller. We're giving it from our commission on the trade. So as a seller, you don't get hurt. It's not going to say, oh, you... You bought it for a hundred, but you need to give five dollars to to the artist just because we say so. No, we we give up some of our commission to actually give it to the artist. So I think that there will be many artists who will come, who will want to come, and I think they will at a certain point, you know, put pressure on the dealers and the people who represent them and all the agents to actually put as much as possible of their output artistic output on a blockchain to make sure that they will get those royalties later. So I think we will become the blockchain of art. I think we will have the most art on our blockchain, the most artists. I want to think we're going to get great quality of art, but I'm not trying to be the arbiter of what's good and what's not. I think if it's art, hey, come and come and, and sell it here. I think that's, I think that's massive. I, th- I think you're going to see people living off of their royalty income on open art source in a, a very short time. It's, it's a super big idea. Okay. So we've talked about your, your product, which is incredible, but I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the arties. So can you, can, can you break down what is the arties for us? Cause everyone is hyped about it. We can't wait. What is the arties? We wanted to create a collection and sell it to the public as part of our fundraising process. And we were lucky enough to meet with an artist who created the concept of Adi. So Adi is the cutest robot that you ever met in your life. And, you know, I've shown artists to people in, in this type of conversation, like over Zoom. So you show them the art and then you look at the face and 100% of the people smile when they see an artist. And I show them different ones. I have many. So every time I show them a different thing, and they all look at it, and they, and they can't stop smiling. It is the cutest thing that you ever saw. So what is it? And, and, and you know, I thought about it. What is an artist? I figured it out. It took me some time to do it. So I think every collection has some kind of... Um, trade to it. It's, it's something that stands behind it and makes people want to belong to a certain club. So if you look at the 
and the bored apes, they are, they are cloaked eyes. So all of the apes are great. And, uh, and they have many, many expressions, but all of the expressions are slightly bored, even when they smile. A any expression, there is this kind of hint of boredom into it, and they live in the art club, so they're one percenters. In, in the real world, you know, you gotta buy a Ferrari, you know, it's really expensive, or you're gonna have a Fendi bag, or a really big Rolex and big jewelry, and all of that most people cannot do. But if you have a art club ape and put it as your avatar, you're part of a club of people who are, you know, the 1% online, and then you also make an investment. And because they are the best, I would say, most successful collection and, and, and they're amazing in marketing it. So the, the price of, of, of the apes really went up and, and the community is very active and, and they're going, you know, making games and all that. That's an, an amazing experiment in actually doing NFT art and very successful. And I learned a lot by looking at what they do. If you look at that, say the night, the natural degen. So the natural degen, the, the nights, the NFTs are the nights, and they're drunk, and they like to drink, and they like sport, and they like to bet on sport, and and and, I, and I'm a man, and, and I love sport, and I wanna, I wanna be a part of it, you know. And if I buy a night, then I'm a man's man. And if I was in the Middle Ages, I would fight in battles and all that. And here I don't have to. I just buy a night, and and I'm that. I'm, I'm a man's man, and I'm a part of this men's men club. And then we're gonna all go to those events and bet on sports and, and I love it and it's great and this is my community. And the art is, I think because people, when they see them, they cannot stop smiling. I think what they do is they bring you to the state when you were a little kid and you saw, let's say, Mickey Mouse for the first time. You couldn't stop smiling. It's the cutest thing. So it's this really um, feeling of a childish happiness that it brings in you. It's like being in the sunshine. And, uh, and I think the people who are into the collection and want to be a part of it are like that. They're kind of optimistic. They, they want to be happy. They love art. They, they want to be a part of this world. And the artist gives them a ticket to it, to, to come belong. Here's your community, come and be in it. And to actually encourage people to understand that, to do it. But there's a lot of benefits of having an artist. To begin, you got to vote in our community. So when we develop the software and move forward and create many, many other things, you can vote and your vote is going to be counted and, 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 and considered as we move forward. The second thing is that as we, we hope to raise enough money by selling the artists to the public and then finish writing the software and launching it on June of 2022, at that time we'll actually release a token it's called the Open Art Token, which will be the token for the community. And will be like, you can think about the token like the oil in the engine to make sure that everything runs smoothly and automatically, just like the royalties. It's only one part of the token functionality. There are many, many other things that it can do. So if you have an RD, you actually get to participate in the private sale of the token before anybody else at a 10% discount. And I believe the token will have value. I believe that the artists will have value and they will have a market afterwards. But it's definitely keeping an artist will give you the ability to, to get our crypto token at the discount. And also there's many events and, and various rights. If you're an artist and have an artist, then some artists will get a no commission ever. Some people will get no commission for a year, some will get produced commission. And, and it basically will help you actually transact and, and make more money just by being in a community and, 
and participating. Some people, we're going to have a bunch of events starting next year, and the events are going to be extremely fun. I'm hoping that COVID will be at the same point over and we can do those things not over Zoom, but there will be parties and there will be costumes and there will be many other activities that fun artists, like be your artie. Be your artie, come as your artie, and let's have fun together. We're building a community. It is the easiest way to belong is, is having an auntie. We are definitely selling them at, uh, at a low price. They're not expensive. Most people can afford one. Um, and, you know, in we just started our Discord uh, 10 days ago, I think, or 11 days, and we have more than 2,000 people in it. And we have uh, almost 1,000 people on the waiting list at this point, wanting to buy artists. So I think that having an RT is, is being part of our community, this club. And I want to think that there will be people who want to go on this amazing journey with us. It, it, it caught me the other day when I was thinking about how you guys are doing the RDs and you have Sigil doing the Explorer Guild. And it's, this, it's almost this new frontier where you don't have to go to an investor to get money if you don't want to and give up a portion of your company or dilute. And you don't have to go the Kickstarter or uh, crowdfunding route where you kind of like you pitch, you give them a promise, they give you money up front, but there's some risk on the person that is it going to happen is it doesn't. This is like, it's kind of like crowdfunding, but you also gain a collectible that has value and you gain a community that can make you feel included. It's like this, it's this perfect amalgamation of aligned incentives to you can build what you want to build, but the, the end user gets something immediately besides the fact that they're going to help you build this amazing product i prefer to do it this way and put it this way i am kind of working really hard all of us working really hard to make the artist sell uh, succeed i think it will and uh, after that i don't think we're going to go to this i think we're going to go to the community and do like a this will be a crowdfunding thing if needed and definitely and uh, you know that the token will, will have its buyers because we know that there's a lot of interest in it. But I want open outsource to be in a way almost led by the community, like to kind of get a lot of input and let people know that, that they are a part of it and they matter and we listen to their ideas and what they want to do. And my belief is that there were enough people in the world, because again, as Nobody hates art. Everybody loves it. I mean, there is people have a, a, a passion towards it, even if they don't really collect it. On the, they know that it's something that it's good for them. So I my hope is that we can get all the funding that we need to the artists and, and, the, and, the, and the token sale. And then, you know, Open Art Source is going to be very successful. It will uh, generate uh, revenue, generate, create new technologies, do it just the beginning here. New technologies and ways to make art really liquid and investable asset that regular people, not the chosen one, regular people, democracy, actually can use and deploy in their life for fun and profit. I love it. Um, is there a release date for the artists yet, or is that still so? The 3rd of November is the private sale and the 10th of November is the public sale. There is a link to the artist website and I think there is, then people can join the, the waitlist as soon as possible. The 10th is the date and on this day, 
I believe either more, all or most of the artists will be sold. Okay. Uh, man, we covered a lot. I love what you guys are building. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to talk about? Yeah, I want to, so let's say you buy an Audi, okay? And then the prices of Audis, for whatever reason, they go up. So you have an Audi that is worth much more than what you paid for. You can actually use this Audi as collateral in DeFi on, on AlexGo. AlexGo is another company in our accelerator, and we are building a way together with Alex to actually use Arti in a DeFi transaction. So you can put an Arti as collateral and then you can get in stacks or other tokens that they will uh, support. The other thing is that we expect to use stacks. Stacks is a very, very unique type of ecosystem. I think it's very smart and sophisticated compared to others. When we start open outsource, the whole pricing mechanism that we will create will be actually built on stacks. We give artists the ability to have the market decide what the price of the art is. Right now, it's the other dealer or the artist says, okay, I'll send it to you for that. They don't know. But actually, there is a way to do to find what the price is by using a mechanism through stacks. And you can see exactly what people are willing to pay. This is how stacks actually right now determines the 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 price of their token we want to actually integrate really strong into the pox mechanism and actually give people who transacting out the ability to find the right price for what they're buying or selling through using a similar mechanism so we're working on that but it's still a long way to go i mean we have definitely have to raise what we're raising now put up the market to begin with and then improve upon it, but it is in a roadmap to do that. And for all the people who like Stacks, who I'm hoping listening to your uh, podcast, then we intend to obviously build it on Stack, but also integrate heavily into the, the blockchain and use all the benefits that are out there, not just, okay, let me do it here. No, let me do it here and make it in such a way that I'm using everything that, that the technology offers and allows artists, collectors, and Madibarias to get fair pricing for their artwork. I love it. You almost made me want to become an artist just so I could use your service. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> is, is there a, or where, where can people find you to learn more as we, as we close this out? So I think right now the best website to go to is artist.io. It tells you every, everything about the artists and gives you links, important links to open outsource. Openoutsource.io is our website. You can check out what we do. There's a lot of content with a lot of blogs, videos, podcasts, interviews. I think it's interesting and tells you a lot about the people behind open outsource. I'm not doing it on my own. There's like there's nine people around me who've been working for more than a year for free. We, we gave away equity in the company to our team and they believe in what we do and are willing to give the knowledge, effort and time for this project because we all strongly believe that that's the right thing to do and it's a good project and it's going to be successful. So I urge you to, to look at openoutsource.io and learn about the team. If you have any questions, hit us 
on the contact, contact form or my email, ilan.openoutsource.io. I'll answer your email, I assure you. Beautiful. Elan, hey, I, I love what you guys are building. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I'm definitely going to be buying an RD and supporting you guys. So good, good luck on everything you guys are building, man. Thank you so much. And, and thank you for the opportunity. It was great talking to you. Really, I really enjoyed it. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way. I'll be right here waiting. I've been waiting now. I've been trying to figure out a way to make it out. Make it out, cause I don't think about 